0: Well, thanks for joining us here today. Uh, wanted to let you know as we start that we're going to be doing things a little bit differently, at least for the next couple weeks leading up to Christmas. Uh, my hope was to develop some special Christmas time services for those who aren't able to be with us in person. And so we're going to start by listening to a, and, and watching the song Little Drummer Boy by a, a group called Four King and Country. And and I love how they do it because I play the drums a little bit, too, and they have some really cool drum parts in it. and so. I think that video that you're going to see tells a really neat story as well uh, and then after the message we'll, we'll light the advent candle for the week and this is week three of advent and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together with a, a Christmas song playing in the background and so hopefully it'll be a, a worshipful time for you and uh, you know we do miss you guys that they normally come to Fur Road in person I want you to know that we hope you'll be able to come back soon. Uh, for those who don't normally attend for a road in person, we, we are honored uh, that you have joined us. Really, we are honored. Uh, but let's start by praying today. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just lift this time up to you. We pray that you will, will be glorified and we give you all the, the praise and the glory. We just ask that you'll be with us during this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
1: King to see Pah pa, pom Pompon. Our finest gifts we bring Pah pa, pom, pom, to lay before the king. to me in my soul.
0: Have you ever thought about the the meaning of that song? Yeah, I had personally never really thought about it, to be honest. But I, I you know, I think it's about a boy laying his humble gift before Jesus, and and Jesus accepting that gift. And, and I think that's what Jesus is asking us to do today as well—to to lay our lives humbly at the feet of Jesus, to offer everything we have to Jesus. So hopefully, you enjoyed that. Well, we're. We're nearing the end of our our Core 52 journey. Uh, Our last series within the bigger series is called Look to Jesus, and and today we're talking about one of the best ways to look to Jesus, and that is through his word, um, the Bible. And so let me just say this to start. You will never fully find Jesus apart from his word. Okay, you'll never fully find Jesus apart from his word. It's that important. God has given us this precious gift, and and it's so important to take this gift seriously. Um, and so the core message today is that you need to put God's word in your heart so so do that okay so let's close with prayer Nah, I just kidding it's it's a, a simple concept but you're not getting off that easy I got to talk for a while still uh, so le- let me ask you do you guys like to eat okay and and, and do you sometimes eat more than you should okay I, I know I do um, my family makes fun of me because about nine o'clock every night. We have a little pantry in our house, and I just feel like I I have to have a snack. And so I'll open up those doors and uh, and kind of get inside there and look for something to eat. And and, and they, they say, I think they exaggerate, that I kind of hide in there and, and eat without thinking nobody will know what I'm doing. But um, it's probably true. I, I do want a snack every night. Uh, I do like to eat. But what if I told you there was something that you could eat that you could always eat as much as you want and in fact the the more you eat the closer you'll be to God you know you hear a lot of talk about superfoods you know foods that are so good for you they have lots of vitamins minerals in them and um, there's actually a super spiritual food as well and, and the more you eat of this this food the better so how cool is that um, some of you, figured out where i'm going with this i'm talking about the bible god's word um and, and the bible uses the imagery of eating god's word many times through scripture let, let me read a few psalm one nineteen, one oh three says how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth jeremiah 15:16 says when your words came i ate them they were my joy and my heart's delight for i bear your name lord god almighty Ezekiel 3.3 says, Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Now, obviously, these are symbolic verses, but but they're talking about the the sweetness of the the words of God. And at various other times, God's word is compared to to milk and to bread and to meat. And, And so God knows how much we like food and how much we can relate to food. You know, he made us, so he knows that. And in fact, the imagery of food is used so often in the Bible that there was an Ethiopian king one time named Menelik II who took this Bible-eating metaphor very literally. Uh, whenever he became sick, he would tear pages from the Bible and actually swallow them, mistakenly believing that, that it would cure him. He died in 1913, at least in part, from eating the whole book of Second Kings. Uh, I think that's a true story. I can't verify that for sure. So don't go home and, and literally start munching on your Bible, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're not goats. But I, I bring all this up because our core verses today are from 2 Timothy. And a big part of what Paul does in this letter is to encourage Timothy to stay strong and keep plugging away, to continue to serve Jesus. And, and he does this, as he does this, he reminds Timothy about the importance of God's word. Now, going back to the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, he tells Timothy that a good minister of Jesus Christ is brought up in the truths of the faith. And the word for brought up literally means nourished. Okay, he was encouraging Timothy to nourish himself on Scripture. As Timothy was facing challenges from false teachers and, and those who would divide the church, Paul takes him back to the word which at that time would have primarily been the Old Testament, which was written to help direct people towards the coming Messiah. It was a guide towards Jesus, so the Old Testament helped show that Jesus was the fulfillment of the history of mankind. And then moving to the second letter to Timothy, Paul continues to talk about the importance of God's Word. Our our core verses this week are 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. But I'm going to include verses 14 and 15 along with our passage today. Your core 52 books have the ESV version, but I'm going to use the NIV version because that's how I learned it. So let's read our passage. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and and how far from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then here are are your core 52 verses. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You can see how, how Paul is reminding Timothy just how important the scriptures were. Okay, I, I, I'm not sure what was going on. Maybe Paul sensed that Timothy has started losing some of his zeal for God's word. Um, and, and so Paul is taking him back in his life and reminding him how important God's word had been to him even since he was a small child. And I think this passage reinforces how important it is to start learning from God's word, even at a very young age. It says from his infancy, he has known the scriptures. OK, kids are sponges. They, they can start soaking things in from very early on. And so they need to hear the stories from the Bible, and and, and that will start molding and shaping them. And and I love to hear stories of our young parents who who are reading Bible stories to their kids every day and planting those seeds of faith in their children. The Jewish faith, which was Timothy's heritage, took the, the biblical education of their children very seriously, actually. Starting at age six, Jewish boys would start school at the village synagogue with the local rabbi. And on the first day some rabbis would actually dip each child's fingers in honey which was a rare treat for the children and he would say my child lick the honey and as he did he would say to them the word of God is like honey it's the most enjoyable thing you'll ever taste isn't that cool I love that much cooler than having to tell your kids not to put your fingers in in their mouths because they might have COVID or something on them But the Jewish boys would begin learning and memorizing the Old Testament scriptures at age six, just planting the seeds from God's word at a very young age. But I want to spend a few minutes talking about why the Bible is so important. You know, I think it helps us to understand some reasons behind why it is important. Uh, You know, it helps us. So uh, say, hey, um, why should I read and study God's word? What's the big deal? um and if if you don't kind of have the why it becomes just kind of a meaningless task that we we feel like we need to do in order to be good christians so young children they they often kind of get stuck in this why question game they ask a why question then you answer them and and they ask why again have you ever done that you go back and forth but why but why but why and and then you you just get out your duct tape and no just kidding don't do that Uh, it's not a good idea but I think it is a good idea to, to ask why in the Bible, to understand these things. So, so let's look at um, some reasons from our passage why the Bible is so important. First of all, we see that it's from God. Okay, if we heard the audible voice of God today, we would probably take it pretty seriously, wouldn't we? If God said, Fur Road Christian Church, you need to root for Iowa State to win the Big 12 football championship." because that's probably what God would sound like if he talked, right? Um, and that might be hard for some of you who are Oklahoma fans. But, but you would probably listen if you heard a, a direct audible voice from God. I hope you would. But that's what the Bible is, really. It, it's God's spoken word. It's directly from God, uh, but spoken to human authors, written down by human hands. And, and so we should listen to what it has to say. God's word is basically a, a series of letters from God, To mankind do you remember actual letters that would come in the mail remember those things Uh, you might get a few at christmas time when holly and i were dating we used to to actually write letters to each other sometimes because you know we lived a couple hours apart Uh, in fact we never lived in the same city until we got married but i was so excited when i received a letter from holly and so why was i so hungry and excited to to read these letters it was because they were written by somebody that I loved, and, and I was pretty sure that, that she loved me as well. And, uh is that special? But the Bible is like God's letter, love letter to us, and we should be hungry to read it. Our, our passage says that the Scriptures are God-breathed. Okay, It was breathed from God to the writer and passed on to the world. In fact, it is amazing uh, to think about how God's Word was, was brought together. There, there were 40 different authors from, from many different backgrounds, such as kings and farmers and fishermen and doctors and government officials. It was written on three different continents in three different languages over a period of 1,500 years, all while telling a unified story. And it's amazing to think about that it all fits together. Think about starting a book now and finishing it in the year 3520, and and it still makes sense. Okay, there's no way that that could happen unless it is from God. But it's like God is allowing us to have this small glimpse into who He is, to hear His thoughts, to glean a little bit about the God of the universe. And so the Bible is from God, and then it, it guides us. Okay, our passage says that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness and so there is so much to learn in God's word about so many things about the nature of God about how we should live about right and wrong about living a holy life about joy and and peace and comfort in times of trouble about salvation about God's love about his mercy about his forgiveness about his patience about his justice about his big plan that weaves its way through scripture so many things to learn it's an incredible guide You know, one time I I went on a fishing trip several years ago to Canada and uh, there was eight of us that went. It was all family members and and the package that that we had where we stayed at included one guide per day. And so we had uh, four different boats, two people per boat. And so you'd have to take turns who had the guide. And and so inevitably, the boat that had the guide in it would catch the most fish. It, It helped having the guide because you know we didn't know that much about the lake he did know the lake he knew where the the fish tended to hang out Um, the bible can help guide us through life way better than we could ever do on our own okay it helps equip us to live life well to live life to its fullest and and we won't necessarily have less problems we'll just be better equipped to handle those problems So God's Word guides us. But but not only only does it guide us, more specifically, it guides us to Jesus. Okay, it leads us to Jesus. Plain and simple, the Scriptures point to Jesus. Our series is called Look to Jesus. The Bible helps us look to Jesus. Once again, our passage says, From infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. God's word, it's a story of redemption that was fulfilled through Jesus from early in Genesis when sin entered the world to the, the world almost being wiped out by a flood to rebellious times from God's people and eventually to Jesus coming to the earth to rescue us because we've all failed Him. We're, we're all idiots when it comes to sin. But God's word is the redemption story for mankind. Jesus was talking to the the Jewish leaders in John 5, 39. And actually, he was kind of lecturing them more than anything. And and he said that the scriptures testify about me. You know, sometimes the Bible is referred to as the the good book. But but I would say it's so much more than just a good book. It's a book that can change your eternity. Sometimes it might feel a little bit like a puzzle. Sometimes it's a little hard to understand, but there are so many resources now to help understand it. But, but when you put all the pieces together, there is no doubt that it leads us to Jesus as the one and only Savior of the world. So listen, okay, it, if it is important to symbolically eat God's Word, how do we get nourishment from it? How do we keep it from being just kind of empty spiritual calories? Yeah, you know, I've talked in the past about my love for for chips and, and French onion dip, and, and I don't eat them very much anymore. Um, but occasionally, Holly will will still buy me a treat, and she brings them home, and I I, I finish it off really quickly. And um, but there is no redeeming value value to my body from chips and French onion dip. Uh, in fact, it, it, you know, if I eat too much of them, I, I pretty much turn into a big potato chip. But so let's talk about a few strategies for spiritual nourishment from the bible the stuff that we can really get out of it how can it be helpful to us so first of all study it regularly unfortunately studies say that americans are becoming more and more bible illiterate and, and it's more readily available than it has ever been in history but we tend to spend less time reading it than ever before we like quick and fast but to be honest there, there's no shor- shortcut for learning from God's Word. It it takes time and effort, and this is one of those things that you really need to do for yourself. Uh, You do realize that for much of the last 2,000 years, most people weren't able to read the Bible for themselves. It just wasn't available to them. They had to rely on someone else to read and, and interpret the Bible, and that was often taken advantage of But we can read or listen to God's word for ourselves. And that's a big deal, people, because it's the biggest way, probably along with prayer, that God speaks to us today. And here's the thing. Are you still listening? You don't ever get to a point of knowing it all and having it all figured out. Okay, It is God's living word. And he keeps speaking to people through his word throughout their lifetimes. D.L. Moody once said, A man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, you know, I've, I've read that, that passage many times before, and, and I've never noticed that. Right? You guys have been there? M- many of you said that. I've often said that. But, but I think God keeps revealing things to us as we grow. And so we need to keep studying and learning from God's Word our whole lives. And don't just read it. Think about it. Hey, process it. Meditate on it. Pray about it. Think about what God is trying to say. When I was younger, I, I had this idea for some reason. I, I forget how that started, but but I needed to read three chapters of the Bible a day. And that, that was my number. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing to read. But, but sometimes it was just a, a race for me to read my, my three chapters. I didn't really think about it. I just did it. And... and it, It's almost like I just read it to get it over with. These days, sometimes I'll I'll get going and read a whole bunch of chapters, but sometimes I won't make it past one chapter because I I try to think about and meditate on what what God is saying to me. Psalms 1 says to to meditate day and night on God's Word. So even when you're done reading, you you just can kind of keep chewing on those things throughout the day that, that you read. And so think about it and then get it in your head. Okay? You don't want to have it just kind of go in one ear and out the other. It's not like a test right, where you learn all the information and you just kind of dump it out your head when you're done. And the best way uh, to get it into your head is, is to try to memorize it. And, and most of us struggle with this one, including me. Some of you have learned a lot of verses as we have gone through the Core 52 this year. And, and that is great. It's a good job. Just keep doing it next year. Personally, I do best when I write the verses on three by five cards and, and, and say them over and over and take them with me. But there are a lot of ways to memorize. There are, there are scripture memorization apps you can use, but just find the method that works best for you. And so I want to challenge you to memorize 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 this week. Once again, it says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so the the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work it's a great reminder about how useful god's word is and and how it helps us look to jesus it's a good verse to to have in our minds there was a missionary to china named j russell morris he's from our christian church tradition um, and he was arrested in the 1940s in china for for preaching christ And he spent 15 months in a Chinese communist prison. And in telling the story of Morris, um, former Ozark Christian College professor Seth Wilson wrote, he endured severe torture and terrific strain supported chiefly by his memory of the Bible. He testifies that the promises and precepts of God's word came to him in memory and gave strength, wisdom, and hope, which were sorely needed. Therefore, he urges all his brethren to fill their memories with that living and powerful word it was the scriptures in in his mind that that helped him survive during those horrible times and so we need to get god's word in our hearts in our minds but my guess is that as we go through this some of you are thinking you know i've tried to to read the bible before and and i really struggle with it i get lost i get bored i i get bogged down so i want to go quickly through just dan's top seven bible study tips okay you guys these are uh, Dan's this isn't from anywhere else you probably have some some other tips too that would be good but just a few things I want to say the first one is that to pray before you read okay ask God to speak to you through the passage you'll be reading ask God what what he wants you to learn uh, ask him to help you stay focused you know sometimes like my mind goes every which way um, and speaking of prayer keep in mind that certain passages make great prayers sometimes we don't know what to pray? So just pray God's word. Um, make it a prayer from you to God. A lot of the psalms are are perfect passages to just pray to God. Just insert yourself into the psalm. So that's the first thing. Second thing: educate yourself about what you're reading. It is helpful to learn a little bit, a bit about the book you're reading from before you read it. Okay. If you have a study Bible, they always have information at the beginning of the book about that book um things like who wrote it when it was written what are some of the main points and themes why it was written you know what was the the setting that it was written in and so it just gives you a, a good starting point point. and there are a lot of other resources to help you with background now but try to learn a little bit about what you're reading it will help and then don't try to read the whole bible straight through okay this is my personal preference but this comes from seeing people struggle to do this for years uh, i've seen so many people to set out to read the bible and say okay i'm i'm going to read th- straight through the bible this year th- this is year i'm going to do it and, and that's noble but most people get bogged down somewhere in, in leviticus and numbers uh when they try to do that and and, and they just kind of give up i think a better option if you want to read the whole bible which is a good thing to do is to find a plan that has some new testament and some old testament each day and um and the Bible isn't arranged chronologically anyway; uh, it's arranged by categories, and so it's not like it's going to mess things up if you don't start in Genesis and go all the way through. And then, don't get too far away from the Gospels. I, I say this a lot, but uh, here's what I mean by that: Jesus is the heart and soul of the Bible, yeah, and I, you know, I talk about that all the time. But the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are different accounts uh, of. Jesus' time here on this earth. So, so read the whole Bible, but keep coming back to the Gospels because you need to know everything you can about Jesus. And you might want to you know, read a few other books of the Bible, then come back, read one of the, the Gospels again, uh, but don't get too far away from the Gospels. And then write down thoughts and questions. Okay, You will have questions as you go along. There will be things that, that don't make sense to you. you know, write them down, look them up, Talk to more mature Christians about them. Just ask questions. And and I also like to write down things that that I'm learning or things that God is teaching me. And and I I used to write in journals. Uh, Now I write mostly in a note on my phone. But write things down. It it helps us learn and, and remember. And then devotionals are good, but they aren't a substitute for reading God's word for yourself. Okay, there are a ton of good devotional books out there, that, tons of good devotionals that you can read online, you can subscribe through email to various devotionals, you can pick pick devotionals by subject, you know, on the Bible app. And, and these are all good and they all have their place, but they aren't a substitute for just reading God's word um, for yourself. So we all need to keep digging into God's word for ourselves too. And then finally, find what works best for you. Okay, ultimately you need to find you know what what, how it works best for you to study God's Word. There are, there are many options out there to read the Bible. There are, there are all kinds of Bible plans. You can listen to the Bible on your phone. If you don't really like reading that much, you can listen. You can read it out loud. You know, couples, you could read it together. Well, find what works for you, but but find something and, and just do it. You know, Apostle Paul knew how important the Scriptures were. And at the end of his letter to Timothy, he asked Timothy to To come visit him quickly and to bring him the parchments. And most scholars agree that Paul was asking for his copies of the Old Testament scriptures. And he had been arrested so suddenly that he wasn't able to bring his Bible with him. And he missed it. St. Augustine said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. You know, we have a a special treasure that, that God has given us. And it's better than any earthly treasure we could ever have. We call it the Bible. Um, This is my NIV study Bible I've had for a long time. Um, It's kind of fallen apart, but, you know, it means a lot to me. And it's, it's got a lot of notes in it and different things from over the years. But the Bible is God's special word to every one of us. And so let's treasure this book. Let's love this book. Let's be hungry for this book. And I promise it's going to help you look to Jesus. I want to close with a a special video about how God's word helped one person during a very difficult time. The the story is told by the Christian singer Sarah Groves. and, And so let's watch that right now.
2: Um, the Bible was forever changed for me uh, three years ago in Washington, D.C. I, I was at an event for International Justice Mission and they had a young woman there, um, Elizabeth, who's 23 now, but at the time of this story she was, um, she was 15 when she was uh, the oldest of seven children living in a Christian family. She wanted to go to Bible college and was in between her sophomore and junior year. Uh, she found out about a job in a neighboring community. But while she traveled to that job, she was abducted and taken into captivity in a brothel, was uh, taken across um, the border into a country where she didn't speak the language. And this young woman of faith, um, hearing her story you know, in her own words, um, she said, I just, all I knew to do is call out to God. And um, she asked, begged God to save her. And the girls even gathered around and mocked her. They said, God can't hear you in a place like this. I mean, it's, it, it was the Psalms. You know happening in that moment as, as her enemies mocked her and she said still I believed and an IJM International Justice Mission operative came and found her there and they they did their investigation rescued her that night and um, And when they went into Elizabeth's room, they found something that they had never seen before uh, In her little six foot by eight foot room written on the wall above her mattress was the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And um, a friend of mine who works with iJAM had told me later, we, we asked Elizabeth if she would share that psalm as a part of her story. And, and she had said, no, that, that psalm really was for that time in the brothel. She said, I, I won't read that verse. But she said, I will read Psalm 34, which says, I sought the Lord and he heard my cry. That changed the whole gospel for me. I I think that. As an American Christian, I've taken a lot of these verses to be a sort of a figurative bondage, a figurative oppression. And now I can't read Isaiah the same way. There are people in literal bondage, and I am called to be a part of that, to be a part of that freedom. And um, uh, it's, it's just completely changed the, the Old Testament, the New Testament, this, this young woman taking hold of this, of this verse in such a real way.
0: Well, let's look to Jesus through God's word. Will you pray with me? father we thank you so much for the bible and and it's an incredible book and i i pray that that we will hunger for the book just like we physically hunger for food i pray that we will hunger for your word and that we'll just be so excited about digging in and learning from it and and uh I, I pray that each of us, if we're kind of in a slump right now, help us to be excited. If we've never really read the Bible before, um, help us to make that commitment to do that. We thank you, Lord, for the Bible. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so it's week three of Advent, and the candle that we light today uh, represents joy. And this is the, the emotion that, you know, really we, we normally... Um, tie into this time of year, uh, happiness, joyful. Um, but actually, the Advent season as a whole is meant to be somewhat of a, a solemn time of, of waiting and preparing for the Messiah. Week three is a reminder of the joy that comes from Jesus in the midst of the waiting and and sometimes even the, the suffering. And so, the purple candles, you know, that we've been lighting, they represent kind of seriousness, repentance, uh, royalty. But the pink candle that we'll light today is more of a, a festive color and uh, represents joy, and so the traditional verse connected with this week is Philippians four four, which says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." I will say it again, rejoice, and and so let's rejoice today as we wait on the Lord, and and so I'll, I'll light the candles and we'll relight the candles and the the hope candle and the peace candle and that are that represent you know, hope and and peace, but then today the joy candle. And then as we we consider the the joy that we have in Jesus, I I just want to lead us into a time of taking the Lord's Supper today. Um, Usually the Lord's Supper is a pretty solemn time as we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And, and it should be. Um, but I think there should also be an element of joy and celebration to taking the Lord's Supper as well. Because we know the rest of the story, right? Okay, We know that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. We know that, that he rose from the dead. We know that he's still alive today. And that's, that's joyful. That's worth celebrating, isn't it? Listen to Matthew 28, 5, and 6. It says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Okay, that's worth celebrating, don't you think? He's alive. He's risen. And so as you take the emblems today, the the bread to represent his his body that that was beaten and, and bruised and in the juice to to represent that his blood that was shed let's focus today on the joy and celebration that comes uh, from following a risen savior and as you take the lord's supper we're going to play the the wonderful christmas song silent night in the background and, and i would encourage you to gather some bread and juice if you if you haven't already done so and and take it as the song plays you might want to sing along too with the song but this version of Silent Night is sung by Sarah Groves who told the story that we watched earlier and and so let's take the Lord's Supper now you again for joining us here today i did want to mention that we are planning on having an in-person christmas eve service at 5 p.m on the 24th and so we'd love to have you join us for that Um, but be sure to look to jesus this week and and god bless